All right, everybody. Hey, uh, Johnny Torres here. And uh, sorry, we got kind of a weird camera angle going here for tonight. But considering <laughs> what it took just to get on the air, I will take it. I'm going to take it uh, because uh, <laughs> at this point, I just want the damn show to work. Hi, everybody. Johnny Torres, thank you so much for watching. Um, uh, we're going to work on this camera angle here. Uh, but uh, since uh, it's now all over my face yes and there's a lot of doubling your windows in just the first 60 seconds of this show uh um thank you so much for watching as always to catch the audio version of this podcast make sure you subscribe to apple google spotify platforms uh the topics for today as you can see right there all over my face post debate breakdown yeah, trump's covid anibal's attic uh which anibal's uh, attic oh boy um uh not sure about that one and florida phase three uh so of course lots of trump news to cover uh but then we're also kind of bringing home to what's happening here in florida in regards to us now being in phase three and whatever that means uh so let's go ahead and get this uh horrible angle off my face and go over to the main desk here now i've seen now, now it's on on evil's face huh. and your mics weren't on but now they are hey guys <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I'm glad I've been spared from all that nonsense, so thank you for doing that. Have you, though? Have you been spared? As of this point, yes. This coming from a man that can't breathe in the shirt that he has on right now. (laughs) Why are you calling him out like that? Chris, just take a deep breath. From left to right, there we go. We got uh, joining us once again. He'd been away for a little while, been a busy boy, but that is Chris Verkylin, everybody. What's up, Chris? Yo, it's good to be back. And then Um, Nebel Cabrera joining me as always. Hello, sir. Hey, guys. Uh, and no shortage of accessories is always all over the desk. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Even all your trash. I know, this. and it's a guy. We're not even three minutes into the show. Can we please decorum? My goodness. All right. So as uh, promised, we were going to go into today's first topic, which of course, uh, just doing a little post debate breakdown. Uh, we of course did a post debate. We did a no. I'm sorry. We did a simulcast of the debate where we were kind of given our commentary in real time. Um, so if you want to really kind of get into the minute-by-minute minute thoughts and commentary and criticisms of, of the debate, go ahead and look for that on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook channel. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We're thinking about whether or not to do it for the VP debate, but who cares about the VP debates, honestly? Uh, <laughs> um, let's go ahead. What did? Uh, let's go ahead and start from the beginning. It started off very aggressive, very strong, what did you guys feel about uh, this debate? So the first five to seven minutes were the only parts that uh, seemed to resemble a moderated, um, sane debate. Really? It definitely turned up as far as the amount of interruptions, uh, the amount of um, abrasiveness after that. Even though the first five to seven minutes wasn't superior, uh, it was better than the remainder. Right, Enable? Right. It, the snowball effect definitely was in, in full display of how it just became more and more and more of a S show <laughs> is the easiest way I could say it. Yeah, I want to say around like the seven to ten minute mark is when Chris Wallace started losing his shit. <laughs> On um, on Trump, he said, "Excuse me, I am I am going to moderate, and I need you to let me moderate and not talk over myself on the other the other contestant on the game show." Like he's right next to me. 
Literally. Well, again, the, the the opening moments, you could see Trump was incredibly aggressive, incredibly defensive, you know, kind of like that fighter that's been waiting for the matchup for like a year. You know, it's it's he just he just had a lot of that anxiety built up. He had a lot of that fire in him. Uh, and unfortunately, I just think he just unloaded like way too quickly. I think he, he got ahead of himself. I think he came up way too aggressive, way too defensive. Uh, and and almost uh, I, I think. Had he continued to do that throughout the entire debate, not to say that he backed off a whole lot, but I think he would have done himself a bigger disservice, even as bad as, as the, the whole debate was in general. But to me, the most telling part was like Chris Wallace even got into just like feeding him, like just egging him on, like just trying to pull the worst out of him. Um, you know, that, that, that to me, you know, not entirely shocking. I know a lot of Republicans have been calling him out, you know, for for revealing him his his self, if you will. Um, uh, now that Fox News has started to kind of try to move more towards the center, uh, but uh, I mean, how do you think this played for Biden out there with everybody? I mean, it definitely showed that one. It it didn't show that he could keep his cool at, at all at the same time. Come on, that man. He could do, I know that he could do just as much when it came to like jabs and not being able to answer the question fully. Like there was a lot of things that were showing that you could tell that he was a little nervous or he was forgetting facts and numbers and he was gaffing. But again, that all got overblown by the aggressiveness of Trump. So I would, I would say that at the end of the day, Biden showed that he, was a little bit more under control than Trump was. But uh, I also see that that's what Trump is. You were, I wasn't expecting anything less from Trump, honestly. And I remember what happened in 2016. That was exactly what Trump did. So I wasn't expecting anything different from Trump. I wish he had more control and more um, of the, of the figures and information because when they start talking about police um, um, protecting the police and the protests, what's happening there and violence and even the economy, he was really strong on those points. Yeah, he had a couple of ringers at certain points, like asking Joe Biden, what law enforcement organization has backed you? Yeah, that was huge. He should have, and this is the difference between 2016 and 2020, he shut the hell up at certain points during 2016. Um, he didn't give Joe Biden the time of day to put his own foot in his own mouth and let him, you know, let his incompetence show. Mm -hmm. um, it was really disappointing. I as a Trump supporter, I was seriously let down to see to see Donald Trump uh, not have himself composed and to not have um, the decorum to to have a gentlemanly debate. Like if I was debating either of you two, I would let you speak. And, and I'm I'm not a professional. I've been doing this for a handful of years. Uh, I don't have a college education that's based in rhetoric. I don't have this this background that we expect someone who's a world leader to have. Um, I, I had nothing to say other than I was let down by the fact that he could have walked all over him because of the fact that he's so much faster, he's so much wittier, he has so much more on his resume to boot uh, than, than Biden, but he didn't let it show through. Yeah, and this could be just because it's the first debate after four years, and that now no one even knows if there's going to be a second debate at the moment because of the whole COVID situation with Trump. But I do know that the, um, the Pence and Kamala Harris is coming up in the next in this coming week. But I was a little disappointed with the president. I didn't think he did the best job ever. I know you saw Twitter and internet saying that he won, and then you have now saying polls showing that it hurt him. But at the end of the day, this election is going to swing so many different directions that the end of October 
in the month of October that it really doesn't matter. It's the first debate. Again, no one's making their full decision right now. If they haven't voted yet, they're not going to vote until closer to the election. I think it hurt us a little bit. I definitely think it hurt us. Um, anyone who's moderate doesn't like, like me as a the Republican who will apologize, you know, for conservatives when they screw up sometimes, I can't really, I can't really stand for this. I can't really allow this to go and say it was okay. Um, I will say Chris Wallace had a lot of questions that were really pointed that didn't belong in a debate. He was basically um, pontificating from the moderator stand. He was just, you know, oh, well, w tell me, Trump, when did you stop beating your wife? Like, essentially, you, you've heard yeah. that argument being made. Um, will you now de denounce white supremacy? And this, is some, this has been a big sticking point for, for everyone across the country. Why did you not denounce white supremacy? He said sure to the question two times before Chris Wallace and Joe Biden started like just rambling on. Say it, man. Say it, man. I, I want you to talk about the Proud Boys. And it's like, he doesn't know who the hell the Proud Boys are. He has are. no idea what they are. And honestly, if you look into the Proud Boys, like I don't know a whole lot about them myself, but I know there's a lot of uh, minority Proud Boys. I know that they're mostly based in a patriotic uh, kind of position. Yeah, position. Well, and the problem is, is that in today's political environment, like if you don't come right out and specifically say the words that you, they want you to say, then like for some reason that doesn't count. So, you know, again, there was a, actually, if you go to facebook.com slash the yard sign, you'll see there's a perfect example of, you know, Jim Acosta has been one of the people that have criticized the president over and over and over again um, yep. for stuff like this. And yet twice on his own Twitter account, he has, he has acknowledged the fact that the president has been announce racism um and so it's this rhetoric and you know it is this this tired you know just repeated line that holds no truth um that they continually want to use against him to just fill that narrative to continue to perpetuate that narrative and that division um and so when he said sure and acknowledged that yeah there's no Twice. place for racism you know that wasn't good enough like they literally wanted him to say i condemn the proud boys and i condemn the you know and it it, it it's so unnecessary and, and childish. It's but it's, dishonest. But it's I mean, building into the media's idea of what they think Trump is. They think he's a tyrant. They think he's a racist. They think he's a misogynist. And they think all of these things, and none of it's true. Again, when you look, this man received the NAACP award in, I think, in the early 90s with Rosa Park. Like, they are pictures with him standing right next to each other. They have been asking for money for him for, hundred, for the entire time that he has been um, a developer in New York City. And then when he becomes president they all call him a racist and that's what's the biggest problem with when you call everyone a racist then no one's a racist because you've you've taken all the power out of that world and if you want to be honest and americans are just are so tired of the media being dishonest you'll never hear a uh, someone on cnn or msnbc say no trump said that it wasn't that no he he said equivocally that it, no kkk are evil people and they're racist and they need to be destroyed also what not what it was like last week that Trump um, put into into the movement to where the KKK is going to be considered a terrorist organization to the state. Yes, that was legislation executive order passed. It's, How has that not happened in the last fifty years? I will say to what to, to the point of what you meant earlier is they they believe that Trump is a racist, misogynist, etc. They don't believe that. They don't care about that stuff. They're using it as a tool. I Essentially, agree. they don't like they don't like capitalism. They don't like any kind of any. Anything that's uh, not an you know, equal outcome, you know, anything that's mm -hmm. not an equitable distribution of resources, wealth, et cetera, they hate that, that we have a capitalist system. They hate that we have a you know, non-direct democracy, and they'll do anything they can, including 
lob uh, accusations of racism, sexism, et cetera, to achieve that goal. They don't care about any of those causes. And they, they, they know it. It's just something that's not been outed, you know, in public yet. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it is working in their favor. They don't want the president to get elected. They are using what needs to be used to make sure that he doesn't get the soccer moms in the suburbs to vote for him. And that's, it's helping, it's helping them. The debate did not help Trump. We both agree on that part, yeah. that it, it was a negative and that he needs to either figure out how to, how to make the next debate more appealable and appetizing for the American people. Cause we don't like to see chaos. Yeah. Well, uh, it's one of these things where now people are saying, well, maybe we shouldn't have any more debates, but honestly, I think it's part of the process. If we all remember, you know, Trump, uh, I mean, not Trump, Obama had a first, a horrible first uh, debate and that was just him. That debate wasn't bad. He just performed badly. Correct. Uh, and I think again, when you have a million and one things going on being president of the United States and you got to jump into campaign mode on a debate stage, uh, again, that's a big shift. It's a big mental shift. And I think if you give them one or two more debates, I think uh, Trump, you know, is going to do well. There were times where, like you were saying, Chris, he actually came out and said what he needed to say and then stopped. And then Biden was blank. Like Biden had no response. Biden had no pushback. It is when Trump got aggressive, when he got into the name calling, when he got into being uh, a defensive or, or, or attacking Biden, that Biden had something to push back on. Um, but other than really trying to protect his son with the, my son, my son, my son, like that was the only time that he really had anything to push back on because so far the, the numbers, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to foreign relations, all those numbers work in Trump's favor. Correct. But the problem again is what do the American people see? And this was the first time I don't, I don't, I'm trying to find the numbers of how many people actually watched the last debate. But again, it doesn't even matter who watched it. It matters the spin after the, the debate. And this gave a lot of energy and a lot of, of, of shooting power to the, to the Democrats and to those that don't want to get Trump reelected. So again, it's, it's building a narrative that none of us agree on, but it's being, it's being put in the ether. And if Trump can't figure out how to counterbalance that, then I don't know what's going to happen. Our next debate, uh, President Trump's next debate, cannot be the same way. He needs to shut the hell up needs to look over his resume. He needs to have that all in line and say, Joe Biden, you've been here for 50 years. Why haven't you done, like he said, he said it in the last debate, why haven't you done what I've done in the last 47 months, in your last 47 years in, in Congress? And um, let him stand there with his, his foot in his mouth and have nothing to say for it. So, <laughs> so the next two debates, uh, the next one is October 15th, which might be the one that's in question now if it's going to happen or not because of uh, Donald Trump having COVID. And then the one after that is October 22nd, which I don't think that's going to get moved. Uh, the next debate for the vice president will be October 7th at from 9 to 1030 again. So the next one coming up is the vice president, which I find that to be a little bit more appealing to see what Pence and Kamala Harris are going to talk about. I think that's fascinating because at the end of the day, um, depending on what who you talk to, Pence might have become might have been president over the weekend if you take the salaciousness of Twitter. And then uh, with Kamala Harris, I mean, I give I give Biden two weeks and then he gets smothered, and we have a, a Kamala Harris um, presidency. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So when it comes to the VP debate, um, I take Mike Pence is a much more timid guy. He does takes more crap than, than Trump will. Yeah. Um, and Kamala Harris, as you've seen in uh, the, uh, the debates for the primaries for the for Democrats, she is a cutthroat. 
She's she straight yeah. up called Joe Biden a sexist, a rapist, a uh, a racist. All of the names that you could, <laughs> all of the names that you can as bad. And still became his vice president. Yeah. She, whenever she has something to gain politically, she will pull out all the stops and she has no morals when it comes to what she'll say about somebody, whether it has backing or not. Just see if it sticks. And with America, as you've seen, a lot of this nonsense will stick whether it's true or not. I don't know. I am expecting a lot of Pence, actually. He was picked on purpose. He speaks very well. He's very well educated. He's been in the system for a while. So I'm expecting the debate to look pretty, to be interesting. Um, I don't, no, no one remembers what the last debate was when, in 2016, but I'm expecting him to keep it together, keep, make, but then this thing though, him keeping it together, him giving good answers and being able to be a spokesperson for the president is the best thing that can possibly happen to change the narrative, which will be on Wednesday. If he can do those things, then the, he works well with the president. You need to change the narrative, change the cycle, and be someone that people can confide in. Because that's why we had Pence to begin with. It was to secure the religious right and also to show some stability in the presidency. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for watching the yard sign. I apologize for the weird camera. I'm going to work on it here in a second. But uh, that actually leads us right into, uh, as you mentioned, uh, now with Trump having coronavirus, COVID, whatever you want to call it, uh, now uh, being actually on his way out from uh, Walter Reed. You know, what effect is that going to have on the election? What effect is that going to have on the upcoming debates? Um, before we get into that, actually going to play for you guys a quick little video here from our friend Chris carter and livecast usa who was actually at um uh walter reed as the president was uh leaving the facility so let's uh give that a look and then we'll be right back day four president trump is here at walter reed hospital in bethesda His supporters have gathered continuously throughout the weekend to see the president and await his leaving Day four, President Trump is here at Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda. His supporters have gathered continuously throughout the weekend to see the president and await his leaving the hospital. That COVID-19 is not God. Jesus Christ is God. And that's why we are here to pray for our president. If I get the virus, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And I mean, he has it now, and now he's now he's fighting. Now he's fighting it. He's doing a good job, and I think he's going to come out much stronger. But what do you think it's going to say to the world when Donald Trump walks out of this hospital? I'll say one word. Strength. He's the man. He's in control of what's going on. So I made this for the president. So everybody can sign. Everybody can do their good wishes uh, for him and his family. He's ready to go and he's back to work. And that's what this country has to do is get back to work stop messing around with all this nonsense. Come back stronger than it was before. So I'm really proud of you, President Donald J. Trump. We love you. I would say I love you, Trump, and I'm here to support you. I'm getting lots of hate, but I don't care what people think. That's why I'm here right now to support you. I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm going to support you because I want to. It doesn't, it doesn't have to do with skin or anything. I think it says that he was right all along. I think the economy will boom 
locally, the U.S. economy, the stock market will go crazy tomorrow morning. The world economy is waiting to see what happens with Trump today. I'd rather have someone that puts his life on the line, a livelihood on the line, does his job as a leader, shows it, leads to a front that hides in his basement all day. And when he finally comes out, he does an interview with Cardi B. Say, Mr. President, keep, keep making America great again. In Bethesda, Maryland, Christopher Carter for Livecast USA. All right, uh, still working on my camera angle, so let's go back over to the guys. Thank you again to Chris Carter for providing that video. That was pretty great, uh, getting some firsthand reactions. Of course, there's been a huge amount of supporters out there since uh, the president was admitted to Walter Reed, uh, and, of course, lots of criticism. So let's go ahead and pick that apart, uh, both him getting sick, uh, you know, of course, the, the big moment that everybody's criticizing now of him going around in the – Secret Service motorcade, you know, to uh, say hi to all the supporters. I mean, how are you guys? What, what's your initial perception of this? What what effect, if anything, do you, if any, do you think it has on the election? Honestly, I'm going to say it's it doesn't mean anything. Him driving around in the motorcade wasn't that big of a deal. People were saying that the secure the Secret Service are being put in danger because of it. And at the end, I was just rolling my eyes the whole time because they're finding something for anything. Also, everyone had masks in the the car. Do they work or do they not work? Because if they yes. all have masks in the car, <laughs> then they they must not work if you're complaining about what's happening in the car when they have masks on and face shields and other PPE. And that actually, was my first thing I thought also. If you notice, you can see in the front the front seat of the limo that the, the Secret Service were wearing more than just ragged N95 masks. They had face shields. They had all the nonsense. Um, <laughs> pick, pick, which, pick which side you're on. Like When you go ahead and make a political statement about how dangerous something is or how irresponsible or reckless... Think about the things in the past that you've stood for <laughs> and like maybe just like take 30, 40 seconds and be like, oh, does this contradict what I've said before? So leftists, there's your homework for the weekend. Think for 30 seconds before you uh, go ahead and proselytize. Uh, you know how you feel about Trump, Trump's daily activities. But yeah, again, we have Twitter for all, this, all of its faults this is the best uh, record keeper when it comes to pe what people uh, tweet and write. And Jim Acosta is a perfect example of a man that says that he agrees with what the president, uh, he uh, makes comments that the president is showing that he doesn't agree with KKK and then says, oh, he never agreed it. Like you can put both tweets together and make him look like a complete idiot. But again, if you don't believe masks work, then why are you complaining that the president has all the people in the mask that are, where, that are inside the vehicle? So I think it's just, it's a complete... S show. I don't want to curse on the show. But I will say this in regards to the larger picture of the president getting Corona, I am extremely disappointed that this has become. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm a little surprised it took this long to, for him to get Corona, honestly, with all the traveling and everything else. So they, you can tell that they were actually being safe and everything. And I can understand why the doctors of the president don't want to mention what the what the what what they've been doing on a daily basis when it comes to testing, because you don't want that kind of information out either. But I am I'm a little disappointed of not knowing when did he get a positive, I, I wanna know when he got a positive test. Now, is it gonna sway my election, my vote? No, of course it's not. But it's, it causes uncertainty. And in a White House that's running for reelection and for all of this to go down, and now there's just a caravan of people getting corona in the White House, it's a Constant. It's another. It's again. It's a slow drip of something that didn't need to happen. Do you have any reason to believe that his positive test was any more than three hours before he announced it? Do you have any reason to believe that? And if you did, what what sub substance do you have to back that kind of statement up? 
I want to be able to hear from the doctor of the president to say when he got the, neg- the, the, the positive test. I would like to know. And again, this is not something that's going to sway my vote, but you're running the White House. You're, you're in charge of keeping healthy the leader of the free world. You should know this information by heart. That's your job is to let us know these things. It is concerning to make sure, like, when did he have a fever? Like, all this stuff. I know it's trivial, but it's also very important. As the president of the United States, I want to know that he's healthy. And as his doctor, you need to be competent to give me those answers. And it was never. It was a cluster. For all weekend was a cluster. People saying, oh, he's in grave danger. Oh, it's a touch and go. Oh, what? What are you talking about? Is he on a ventilator? The media wanted you to believe he was in grave danger. And if the White House would have communicated better, they would not have had the wiggle room to be able to run the narrative. Okay, in professional hockey, if someone gets injured, okay, they say you have a lower body injury or upper body injury. Why do they do that? Because if the other team knows what the hell is wrong with you, they're aiming for your knees. They're aiming for your feet, okay? The same is applicable for the United States president. If they know exactly what the president has wrong with him, if they know that now is an opportune time to pull some stupid nonsense, but what, they're going to. What not? What body check are you expecting from Pelosi to give to the president in the middle of a press conference? No, I think that China and Iran and places like that have a you know a, an interest in watching us and seeing for our weak moments. And I, I, I say again, as the White House communication, I'm very disappointed that they were not able to control the narrative and they let the media that's already gunning for the president to, tr- to run amok with the, with the narrative that the president was sick and everything else. So I, make, I get it why the president is now making it an issue to make sure he's leaving Walter Reed tonight. Here's my question to you, though. Can they control the media's narrative? They cannot. They you can. know it. You they know are, it. If they okay, we can talk about the 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 memo that was released anonymously for forty. Like I think it was like twenty hours. No one put a name on the anonymous letter that was released from the White House, giving a briefing of what the president's condition are. I don't want that. I want the doctor to tell me what the president's condition is. What if I you're don't not privy that. to that? What if that's none of your damn business? The doctor. He's the leader of the free world. We all voted for him. We have an election in 30 days. All is fair game. It's not like he was going to lose consciousness. It's not like he you was don't going know that. To- you don't know that. He is an over seventy. Yeah, but there's an I over seventy year old individual that just received a positive testing from Corona. You don't die in one day from COVID. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I think there's also needs to be a balance. Yes, does the public deserve to know? Absolutely, but I think there also needs to be a balance between you know again them people feeling uh, like there's someone. Well, I'll just saying. So there's a, a guy on my Facebook, Jim Johnson. Like he feels like he needs to know everything that's happening health wise with the president. It's like that's none of your business. Is he fine? Is he not fine? That's all you need to know. And 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 then obviously if he's not fine, then what's being done to remedy that, right? And and are are other procedures being put in place? You know, in terms of the vice president and other things, you know, in place if he's not doing well, um, you know. And so people are criticizing. Oh, he's leaving too early, and so now he's probably going to have to go back at some point. Well, so what? That's his decision. That's the physician's decision, you know, and people are like, oh, he's leaving, you know, because he just wants to put on this, you know, th- this appearance that he's fine. And it's, it, it's so what? That's his personal health care decision. 
Um, and, no, and that's not. I'm sorry. That's not his personal decision. He's the president of the United States. We what? pay for all of this information to be out there. It is a. It is a. First of all, it by law, it is required that we understand what's going on when it comes to his health. No, the, it's not by yes, law. Yes, it is by well, law. No, it's not by there's law. A re, there's a reason. People had no idea. People had no idea that JFK was on tons of drugs and had all kinds of health ailments until well after he had been killed. Hence the reason. Same, hence the same reason. The reason with FDR. People had no idea that he was partially paralyzed. Hence the reason why laws and other things have been put in place to ensure that the American people know what's going on. Look up the law. Show me the law where that where where it says that. I was just going to ask that same thing. Show me me a statute. I'm telling you right now, all of this does nothing but bring chaos to the White House. I, like everyone else in this room, want President to be reelected again. But this does nothing but bring chaos to the White House. Yes, but giving them all of the information and all of the minute details does nothing but increase the scrutiny and the criticism. No one's asking. You have physicians out there that are criticizing every little thing that Dr. Conley has put out. And and again, they're not the one treating the president. Doctor, and so they're doctor, speculating. That doctor, during his first broadcast, could not tell us when the test was given and how much oxygen the, the president has been on. Those are two fundamental things that we need to know. He says in the beginning- Why do you need to know? You're not a doctor. Because- It's none of your business. Because- And even if they tell you, okay, so the, the president's at 95% oxygen. What does that tell you? You don't know. You didn't go to medical school. When the, when the doctor says that he has been on oxygen for 72 hours, but Yet we're finding out on Friday that he got a positive test. Are you telling me that he was positive during the Wednesday broadcast or when he the was timing? Out? Yes, the timing is relevant. The timing of when he got sick is relevant, but the extent of the details to which he is sick only leads to further scrutiny and criticism and speculation that I think is unnecessary. It's called. It's now shown that the White House is in chaos, and that's what people are going to run off of because they're not getting enough information, and the information that are being given is being counterproductive. Let me ask you. What has gone chaotically other than the treatment of the president? Like the country hasn't fallen apart. Not, no services have been rendered un, uh, unused. N- nothing has happened to the government as far as how it operates. And if if the president became incapacitated for whatever reason, vice president takes over. This is clearly stated in the 25th Amendment. Like this is how it works. It's unless known, the, unless the president has time. signed a piece of paper giving authority to the, to the vice president. I mean, in less than 48 hours of him getting sick, he was back in front of a desk doing work and he was out doing like live Instagram posts and Facebook posts and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, but again, you put out all this medical information and then people want to spin it and it's like, oh my God, he's going to die. And you know, what are we going to do? like you know what is being done and then people are criticizing the doctor that he's putting out good information he's putting out bad information not enough information and and so the problem is is that it doesn't matter how much or how little information you put out there they're going to scrutinize it and spin it anyways speaking of scrutinizing uh, i'm going to scrutinize the left uh the majority of the ones that i've seen on the internet no it's not your your best people but it's a sample i was given um you have some serious pieces of crap amongst your ranks. Um, the wishes for the president to have bodily harm, for him to die, for Mike Pence to become president and then die also because he got COVID from the president, so Pelosi can be president. You people are sick. What the hell is wrong with you? What? Where has your humanity gone? I thought that the left was the party of compassion. I thought the, the left was the party of um, you know, morality. I thought you were the, the people that had empathy and you've shown your colors you've shown that you do not have empathy you've shown that you have an agenda and as long as your agenda is not being achieved you're going to be a jerk to whoever is opposing you 
it's it's disgusting. The mainstream figures, like one of Obama's head, uh, you know, staffers uh, from his time in the White House, um, one of Kamala Harris's uh, former campaign people. I mean, I'm sure you can find people that are closer, more closely related to this, but the fact that it's not some fringe lunatics uh, every here and there, you see people that are actually prominent in the, the DNC expressing things like, I hope he dies. Uh, you need to, people need to be castigated and just sent out from the, the modern politics. Look, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, in terms of uh, moral high ground or anything like that, I mean, these are the same people who continue to push for later and later term abortions. Uh, okay, they, they, they don't care about the sanctity of life, and, and, and to, for them to tell you otherwise is a complete farce. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, is it the majority of people out there? No. Um, you know, is it somewhat, you know, like, obviously there was people who are like, oh, well, this is karma for him downplaying COVID oh, and that yeah. sort of thing. It's like, okay, fine. But you don't wish that on anybody regardless. And look, I'll give the kudos. I'll give the props where, where it's due. Biden, I think, handled it well, the messaging well. Um, you know, there were there were some outlets out there, some elected officials that I think kind of handled the announcements well. And, you know, obviously Biden pulled, you know, his advertising. Um, PAC, PACs are still going to do their thing. But, um, but at least from that side, we kind of saw the politics of the old, right, where there was kind of a, a mutual respect there. Um, but, but it's true. I mean, the social media has just made the, made it such a toxic environment out there, especially in situations like this. And tell me, Nebel, how does karma work? I'm not hundred percent sure, but from what I've understood from the last two days, uh, I've learned that if you wear a mask and you get COVID, it's, it's a tragedy. But if you don't wear a mask and you get COVID, even though the masks work, uh, you're, you're supposed to die because you deserve it because you didn't follow the lefts, everything, everything they, they tell you you should do. The same left that you're talking about are the ones that put Trump's head on a spike the first year of his first year of his election. So these people have never changed their position. They truly feel that the republic is falling apart if Trump gets reelected, and and they will be the ones that cause the violence in cities to blue cities to burn when President Trump gets reelected. The question of of uh, if Trump is going to one leave the White House without any conflict and two um, make sure that his supporters are not going to riot. First of all. That mindset shows that one, they have no idea what they're talking about because it's not not people from the right that are that are that are bombing um, cities and that are destroying neighborhoods and that are going onto people's property and calling and throwing rocks at their windows. It's the left, and they are assuming, well, if it's happening on the left, then it has to happen on the right. No, they. What do you guys remember the rioting when Obama became president? Oh, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading a news article here. Right. Um, no, actually, that was yesterday, and it was it was, it was a leftist city that was. That was I'm burning. sorry, I didn't I didn't know that Nashville went through 76 days of protesting and violence when Obama became president, or Charlton. Like that's how the left thinks that whatever's happening on their side is happening on the right side, and it's nowhere near the truth. And people are going to see it when when Obama when Trump becomes president again. The left is going to go berserk, and I'm glad they need to see how bad they look because of it. But at the end of the day, and I'm not even going to say this is karma whatsoever. I wish the president was being more um, protect, was being more responsible when it came to his events and how he how he how he conducted himself, so that he wouldn't get corona. Because now this is something that we're going to talk about for the next 14 days, because he has to be in quarantine. If he, I'm telling you right now, if he does not stay in quarantine, it's going to become a complete 
cluster on the left because they're going to say how irresponsible he's being and not willing to help with other people's health. I watched the president talk a couple months ago. It was, I think, six weeks ago. He was at least 20 feet from everyone at all times. And as far as, um, what, what else did you say? Uh, but he cannot do that not until the quarantine time is over. He cannot do a public gathering where he, again, it doesn't matter. You have the virus. You need to be quarantined. And that's what everyone else has been saying. And if he's been saying it to us, he needs to follow it himself. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> I don't see no look. I don't see a problem with that, and then we 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 need to move on to the next topic. Yeah, it hurts the campaign. I don't, you know. I agree. It does. But this is this is honestly, if the if the polls are true about him not doing well with senior citizens, I mean, this is this is at the root of it. Yes. Um, because he has downplayed this virus. Senior citizens, of course, have had to quarantine the most. Um, if they were if they had to be uh, admitted to a hospital or any kind of facility, they were prohibited from seeing their families. Um, and so they are resentful because of the way that this coronavirus has been handled. Um, but, and so he's going to have to figure out how to win that, that part of the vote back. Um, and look, they're already criticizing the, the little, uh, parade he, he took, um, you know, yesterday they're criticizing the fact that he left Walter Reed today. Um, they're going to criticize him regardless, uh, in that respect. But I think to an extent to what you just said, I think he needs to try to, follow the quarantining measures, you know, that, that everybody else has been subjected to for the past six months. Okay. Right. I, so. Actually, I, I have one final, final point on that. Um, okay. So as far as Trump getting COVID, he is the leader of the free world. It is his job to make sure that our imports and exports are working properly. It's our, his job to make sure our military is working properly. He meets with a lot of people every single day, law enforcement, military, hundreds of people. I would say at least dozens of people every day. So as far as you and Ebel, myself, we probably meet with like two, three people a day. It's not very much. As a matter of statistics, it is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when when the president can get COVID. I mean, really it comes down to how many people you're exposed to. And there's no way you can say that he's not exposed to a lot of people as part of his job. And he is an essential worker. Trump is a quintessential <laughs> essential worker. Yeah, I do give you that. I mean, again, the world went to hell in a handbasket when Boris Johnson got COVID back in, I think in April. So again, it's taken a while for people to not go as berserk and to see how how crazy the media has gone for this when when Obama when Trump got got COVID is over as overblowing everything. But again, at the end of the day, that's their job is to show and to be that um, for society and and to make him look bad. That's the point of the media now. There, it's it's no longer uh, unbiased. Now, it's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it was never meant to be like this. But you know exactly where the lines are when it comes to when it comes to. Um, the media and it's just sad because you can see it right now. You have half, you have eighty percent of them um, wanting death for the president, and the other twenty hoping that he recovers quickly. All right, everybody, thank you again for watching the Yard Sign, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the audio version of our podcast on Google, Spotify, and Apple platforms. Hello to Joe Wicker, our buddy uh, Joe Wicker, who's uh, frequently on the show. Hello to Laura. Ali, uh, all watching. Thank you so much for being active in the comments section. Where's Hector? We're missing Hector in the comments section. I know. Section Hector, that. where the hell are you? Seriously. Oh. Sell out. Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> um, uh, and, and uh, you know, again, please, uh, we'd love to incorporate your comments here. Um, yes, Joe, we do need to do an amendment breakdown. And so I'll leave that on uh, Joe for, for homework. Uh, so <laughs> since he volunteered that information. Um, 
One of the other things that is going on uh, that actually caught me by surprise, but uh, a couple people, including the the person who's going to be talking about it here for the next few minutes, uh, brought to my attention was uh, apparently there's a lot going on on the other side of the world with Armenia and some other country I can't pronounce. So that means it's time for Nebel's Attic. Uh, yes, over to camera. Let's see. Camera two for Nebel's Attic. There we go. Hey, y'all. So. Wrong name tag. Wrong there name tag? Oh, there we go. I'm not. Uh, I doubt you did that on purpose. Okay. <laughs> so since September 27 of uh, this year, um, shelling has been occurring between the borders of Armenia and Azerbaijan. Now, these countries are in the southern part of the Caucasus. Uh, close. They were used to be Republican. They used to be um, <laughs> Republican. They used to be um, Russia uh, satellite states. And the conflict has been going on for about 30 years now with uh, an enclave of Armenians that are inside Azerbaijan. So it's something that's been going back and forth for a while now, but definitely did a reflare up on September 27th with Azerbaijan doing... Um, basically bombing civilian communities and infrastructure with inside the enclave and now moving closer and closer to the border of Armenia. This is not something new. The breakaway enclave is called Nagaru uh, Kamada. So it's something that's it's not very easy for a lot of Americans to be able to pronounce, but that's why we want to talk about it today really quickly because this has been something that can become a, a much larger regional conflict. Azerbaijan has a very strong ties with Turkey and is pulling Turkey to get involved into the conflict. Uh, right now, a few hundred people have died because of the shelling uh, back and forth between the military installations. But as we continue to see the escalation, uh, Armenia is asking for Russia to get involved. And as both big parties start to move closer and closer to an armed conflict, we are seeing larger and larger amounts of people start to move out of the enclave. Uh, 30 years ago, when this situation happened, about 20,000 people died and 1.2 million people were displaced. And at the moment, the enclave only has about half a million people living there the Armenian descent and we can see this happening now and if you know anything about the Armenian genocide that took place between 1940 1914 and 1917 nope. you know <laughs> you know that the Armenians are not the best of friends when it comes to the Turks because uh, the Turkey is still unwilling to recognize the genocide that occurred during that time what? and the killing of 1.5 million Armenians who doesn't love Turkey I know but that's something that's happening right now. So mm, I would say tricky. that Azerbaijan is still having uh, large issues. You just today, there was bombings in Baka, uh, the capital of the country. So we're seeing a huge escalation. So that's what's happening at the moment. And if anything goes, you know, it always follows oil and what fall and what pipelines are inside the Southern Caucasus oil. So everything has to do with oil. Ladies and gentlemen, Anibal Cabrera. Thank you so much. Well done, sir. That is an Ebel's Attic, everybody. <laughs> I butchered the regional name. <laughs> I practiced all day for it. I could not figure out which J's are supposed to be silent. Which J's? Yeah, it's, the K, it's the K's that are usually silent in that part no. of the world. Yeah. Anyway, that was really far in Ebel's Attic. That was like way back there. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's, thank you for keeping it short and sweet. I really appreciate it. It's a so. large, it's a big issue. It's a big deal right now. It's hey, happening. we got a normal camera angle. Hey. Yay. It only took me 42 minutes. Well, we expect very little. <sighs> what can I say? We're running on a shoestring budget here, you know? I Gotta said do it, it all. Chris, I said it correctly, Azerbaijan. No, no, no. no. It's like Azerbaijan. But- no, that's the northern, that's the country north of it. That was, of course it is. That was helping me uh, <laughs> dictate this to our to our audience. Oh, okay. okay. I knew that. 
All right. Thank you again for watching the yard sign, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel as well, where we post all of our episodes. We actually are going to have the uh, presidential debate uh, simulcast up there as well. I think we're going to try to get it up on the podcast version if possible, but it's long. All right. Because we're well, how long was that thing? 90 minutes, uh, that debate. Uh, and so if and we then do, another 20 minutes with the commentary that we had at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then we, so I you think it was about two drinking, hour total. Right? Oh, definitely. You guys were drinking? Okay, guys. <laughs> definitely drinking. Not I, but I will say uh, that I can't speak for the rest uh, of the group. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a fun time, so we may do it again. Thank you again for watching. Our final uh, topic of the day is going to be Florida Phase 3 as the governor uh, continues to reopen the state. And uh, I'll tell you, I celebrated on Friday and Saturday. Uh, went out to my favorite little karaoke bar, Charlie's, on Waters Avenue in Tampa, in case any of you are interested. Uh, <laughs> um, nope. Just had a, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things that, Especially when our tourism uh, and our economy is so heavily based on small business. Uh, and uh, it, it, I mean, it was overdue. Uh, and I think uh, Ron DeSantis learned his lesson and realized that he probably will not do a major lockdown like this ever again. Um, it really didn't accomplish much of anything. It didn't stop a surge. It didn't stop the, the, the flattening of the curve. It didn't do anything. Um, and, uh, we saw that firsthand by, uh, governor Nome and it was it South Dakota, South Dakota, Christy Nome. And, uh, you know, it's, and we so are not comparing South Dakota to Florida. Are we really going to do we that are. right now? We are. Of course we are. How many times have you gone to South Dakota for tourism? I don't know. Are there any even theme parks in South Dakota? South Dakota is, is similar in terms of their their uh, economy and from the sense that it's mostly based on their their environment, on their e ecology. You know, people go there because of the beautiful mountains, because of the forests, because of, uh, you know, the, the Mount Rushmore. The, Mount Rushmore, you know, the same reason people come here, but most of the people that come here aren't coming here for Disney or Universal Studios. They're coming here for the beaches. They're coming here to go kayaking for the Everglades. You know, that we, we forget about the other 80% of the state that is not in Orlando or in Miami. <laughs> I'll also say that the whole population of South Dakota fits inside Hillsborough County's population. And that's all I'm going to say about that right now. They don't no, even but, have a million people in the whole okay, state. Okay, but still, can you, can, can it be proven that the lockdown helped in any way all right so i'll say this when you look at places that didn't lock down and places that did lock down you can see the exact same thing happened in both places you see a major spike at the beginning and then a rolling spike a couple months later and you see if you place on a on a, on a map or a, a timeline uh we have a lot of laughing faces now it's probably <laughs> one of my my negative fan club uh from tbt uh, <laughs> whoa anyway if you, if you look at the map you see you have the first curve then you have a month passed, then you have these mask orders put in place, then you have the numbers go up afterwards everywhere it's been done. The lockdowns, you can put them on a map, and the, the, the mask orders, and the same shit happens whether you're in uh, Norway, whether you're in Denmark, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in New York. It, it all happens the exact same way. Also, the population of the two countries that you said before fit in the, the city-state of New York City. But they still have population density centers that are equivalent to ours. Nowhere near the population centers when you it comes to New York. You don't think most of the people in those countries are located in two major cities? I'll give you that. 
But they're also homogenation. Remember that. Homogeny. Remember that internet. And even was wrong. Why does everyone think when they actually give it a point <laughs> that it's like once in a lifetime that this happens? Either way, phase three is here. Um, <laughs> have you seen a difference in evil? Personally, I've been seeing the mask order signs being taken off the doors of places that I go to. Uh, which I like, but I think a lot of people in the business community are still afraid. They're afraid of uh, our Hillsborough County government, our Pinellas County government, still having their thumb on them. They're afraid of the fines are going to be. They're, they're afraid of having a court battle to get these fines uh, taken off of the, their their business. You know, despite the governor's orders. I wouldn't be surprised if lawsuits are coming up more and more because one, I would love to see who's actually paying the fines when it comes to individuals not wearing masks and they're getting ticketed. I would love to see what number that is. I don't think it's happening whatsoever. They're all empty, hollow threats. But two, yes, I will give you the the point that every state was given the right to choose what phase they should come in and come out of, which is why I think it's the, again, it's the whole media narrative. uh, Trump has no plan whatsoever when it comes to Corona. There was a legitimate plan. There was a three-phase execution of getting back to normality when it came to it because we were, what? how many days were we told? Let's close down for 15 days. We passed the (laughs) six-month anniversary. Thanks to our friend Joe Simon for putting that up on the TBR page. we passed that like three weeks ago. Yeah. The six month anniversary of fourteen days to flatten the curve. No one knew what there. No one knew what was going on. Now, do I agree that what happened should have happened? No, I think it was a a jackhammer hitting a nail when it came to how to deal with the scenario of coronavirus, and that you should have allowed every state to even every county. It wasn't until like the summer um, when count when every single county in Florida had at least one coronavirus um, um, positive, and that's what I'm saying when it came to how Ron DeSantis, how the governor went through this, I think it went pretty well. Do I agree it should have gone faster? Yeah, I would have liked bars to be open faster. But again, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. That's what I think in this situation. I think when our economy is so heavily based on tourism, um, again, I mean, there are legitimate uh, generational businesses, multi-generational businesses that are not coming back from this mm-hmm. that have already closed. I mean, we saw, I mean, here in, in Tampa Bay alone, we've seen establishments that were 30, 40 years old that are not coming back. I mean, Qzar for God's sakes is gone. Oh, that was just a cesspool. That was a cesspool <laughs> of Corona. <laughs> it's disgusting. Oh. But again, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. And then you look at obviously the worst cases, which is Governor Cuomo. Uh, now, uh, you know, these guys are, are, you would think that they were the ones that were literally in fear of their own lives for getting Corona. Meanwhile, Cuomo's out there walking his dog without a mask, but then he's super <laughs> quick to come around and say, hey, I'm going to shut down all the synagogues. Uh, I'm going to shut down all the churches and California's doing the same, um, you know, because they want to be seen as doing something, doing something about something they can't control. Um, You're shutting down every, everything is still shut down and not everything, but a majority of stuff is still shut down in California. And yet you still have rolling blackouts. What uh, is wrong with California? He made a comment today, the mayor of California, governor of California, and was like, oh no, we're still doing strong. We're still doing everything else. Highest in business, highest in education. I'm like, that's a lie. You're like 48th or 47th when it comes to building a business in California. You've done horrible to move that state more. It's now the ninth year in a row that more people have left California than have gone in, that have moved to California. And that is just showing yeah, what are you how moving to California for? It was because these people don't know what's going on in the right. world. No, they, they're not paying attention. You know what I mean? It's not the cost of living. It's certainly not the low taxes. No. 
It's certainly, you know, and then if you move up to, you know, in the northern part, you know, what, what, are you a fan of forest fires? Um, you know, Los Angeles is being overrun by the homeless, um, you know, and crime. Uh, now we're talking a lot of these municipalities are going to be defunding the police. California so. is the poorest country or poorest state in the union <laughs> at 19% of their population being under the poverty level. It's a ridiculous number. Their entire um, school districts within inside uh, the LA basin, the, the, the um, I think the uh, inability to read and, and, and do mathematics is like in the upper 90th percentile. It's absolutely whoa, 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 ridiculous. They, but that is a liberal have, utopia. Oh, it absolutely. They is have a liberal welfare utopia. policies. They, they have strong welfare policies. They have a high minimum wage. I can't imagine why there's still people that are poor. 26% of all that take, everyone that takes uh, a welfare and everything else live in California. I mean, the numbers are astronomical. And yes, they are technically the fifth largest economy in the world if you pulled them out of the United States. But that's because they have this 40 million people and they have one of the biggest uh, coastlines in the country. And they're, everything they're, that gets shipped into the goes United States through, yeah, from goes anywhere through other there. Europe goes through there. So they have to, by necessity. Yeah. So I think a lot of it, I, I'm to the point to where it used to be Florida or California was ungovernable. Governable. Now people are saying California is just unlivable. You have entire. <laughs> parts of well, the of the state that you can't breathe in and they're like and it's because they themselves have built this this policy when it comes to foresting that causes the forest fires it's absolutely ridiculous well not that it's a new idea but the most hilarious part is that now they're they're actually considering or they may have already implemented attacks on people who have left the state so if you leave the state then the state of california is going to come after you and send you a tax bill for leaving the state and i believe connecticut might be the other state that does that that is just where they literally charge straws. you for leaving the state <laughs> uh, that that's how desperate they are to to take your money because all they know how to do is spend uh again that the, the the train boondoggle that you know again people were clamoring for here that governor rick scott shot down it was you know again uh, uh one or two billion dollars for the high-speed train guess what they ran out of money it went over it went over budget uh it went over uh build time and now they have this train that quite literally goes nowhere um and and then that's just not even a talking point a train to nowhere it's literally a train to nowhere and uh and and it, and they still they won't have the funds to finish it because of now the coronavirus you know all the tax revenue that they were hoping on on dumping into that waste of money uh, is now not not coming anywhere near uh, the the state of California. Yeah, Their but cash think, cows are leaving. You have Elon Musk leaving California. You have I mean this is not a, a big company. The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro and his crew leaving California. You have Joe Rogan leaving California. Yeah. There was a lot of money that you could have had. All you got to do is be sane. All you got to do is be somewhat fiscally responsible. All you got to do is be somewhat less draconian with your crazy lockdown measures. But that that at the end of the day, it's not those individuals that are paying the, the taxes at the at the large amount. It's those that pump gas. The amount of um, or pump gas or use electricity in Florida, I think per kilowatt hour is like four cents or six cents. In California, it's forty cents per kilowatt hour that you're paying. It's a ridiculous amount. And even then, for as much as you're paying for electricity, you still have rolling blackouts uh, what is wrong with the state that cannot function to give their own people a steady stream of electricity i can be in mexico not there that often but you could be in a resort in mexico and never lose power but yet you can be in a suburb of california besides it being burnt down but it also you won't have power in the middle of the day we should go back to Florida. Also, to roll back to the, the density of South Dakota, it's 14 people per mile. In Florida, it's 348 per mile. So 
they are two completely different parts when it comes to density of states. I think almost, I think um, South Dakota actually has more land mass than when it comes to Florida. You can still compare California and Florida and see that the curves are identical and that the, the points in time when the lockdowns and when the mass mandates were uh, introduced, they didn't do dick. I will give you that. I think I think it's much easier to compare Ooh. California, New York to a Texas or Florida. Not only that, you know what I love is just how how intentionally people, how intentionally blind people will make themselves to prove the point. They were trying to say that the George Floyd protests had no effect on oh, the spike in coronavirus mm-hmm. cases and literally 2 weeks after George Floyd was murdered and the protest started, there was a huge spike in California in COVID cases. Overdose. And the week after that, <laughs> and the week after that, then you had the increase in 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 in, more, in fatalities. Well, because um, COVID is only responding to right wing positions. Yeah, no. Apparently, it was the fault of the homeless, <laughs> and it was the fault of I don't know who. Like, they'll blame everybody but the protesters. Um, and again, it's that type of mental gymnastics that are making people more and more loathe Democrats across the country because they have lost touch with all reality. And it will continue to escalate. Again, I don't understand how California has not voted a Republican into gov- into the governorship or has voted all of those people out of office because they are doing a horrible job. In New York, they literally sent old people back into the, to the retirement homes because they had COVID and there was nowhere else to put them. So where are you going to put them? Back in where the most vulnerable people are living in. And that's something. And no, he's not getting any kind of backlash for that. You have them yeah. now getting rid of they're religious. They're covering it up too. Yeah, they're getting rid of religious services services and are having to like like uh, play down the or uh, or Jewish Orthodox community because they are so enraged on how the Democrats are doing. But no, well, it's the Republicans that are anti-religious and the Republicans that are all this stuff. But yet you are literally wheeling grandma back into a nursing home where she's going to die of COVID. If, if a Republican, if a Republican kill her, kill her were shutting friends. down churches and synagogues and mosques, there would be riots. There would be protests. I mean, there would literally be cities on fire if a Republican governor were doing what Cuomo is doing and, ga- and Newsom is doing in California. Yeah. Are they oh, already calling him a fascist? They call us fascists anyway. So it's like, what's the point? Why don't we do all this, all this draconian stuff and just like live up to the name, you know, at least get the fun out of it. You, you know? hear it every single time. Oh, Trump is a tyrannist or a tyranny and it's a fascist. I'm like, he's in everything opposite of a fascist would do. If he was truly a fascist, he would have locked this whole thing down in March and not let anyone move whatsoever. But no, he gave it to what? The state's rights to make that decision. So yes. if you have a shitty governor. The federalist system, we were we're built on. Yeah, if you have a shitty governor and he did a piss poor job, I don't care anymore. If he does a piss poor <laughs> job, then you're gonna you're gonna give him props for doing that. This makes no sense at all. But God, God forbid, a Republican has a different idea. They said that our governor was gonna kill half a million people. What yet you had the governor of New York literally? I think that's up to sixty thousand people dead in their state. Whereas Florida, I think we're still under ten thousand, or we're, we're around there now. But there's no comparison. But the the media will never give that. They will never give it. And that's what people get so upset. But will it turn the election? I don't know. I truly do not know because people are stupid. <laughs> I don't think people are stupid. I think they're, they they rely on certain sources of news because they're big. They're there. They You're supposed to trust these big names. And when you have them feeding you everything that, you know, you kind of can believe is plausible, there's no reason to think anything else. So why, like... 
getting the news is a job. It's, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, us being informed on politics, it takes time. If you don't care about stuff as much as we do, if you don't care as much as we do, then you just take whatever you're given at face value and who cares otherwise. And, and I'll say this. The reason why I think the, the I have a little hope when it comes to the presidency is that you do see a lot of Republicans out and about knocking on doors, making phone calls, putting signs in their feet in their front yard, knowing that odds are it's going to get destroyed, taken or it's going to be vandalized. Whereas you don't see that at all when it comes to the other side. And they are still willing to do all of it. they're still willing to make sure that their voice is being heard. They're going to the rallies. They're doing boat rallies to make sure social distancing. They're doing car convoys up and down the i4 corridor so things are happening you don't see any of that for the joe biden's the joe biden side you see none of that on the democrat side and it's the enthusiasm because at the end of the day if you are not enthused to vote you're not going to vote early you're not going to vote day of you're going to say you voted because again these are the kind of people that will put on facebook they'll look they'll, they'll google a vote picture and they'll put it on facebook or instagram and say oh i vote today no they didn't Slacktivism. they're just doing it yeah they're just doing it for the gram these are the same people that went out and about during the riots took a picture and then went back into their uber and went home they don't <laughs> care and that's what you're gonna see on november 3rd these people do not care and that's the little hope i have however those are the young people it's the old people I have, i'm very concerned about the older generations that they're the ones that kind of vote early and they're the ones that will vote day of and they're the ones that get the absentee ballots i think they're the ones that are going to win it or lose it for trump because he's doing a great job a great ground job when it comes to these new communities but will the new communities do enough to get the president elected i don't know yeah well shout out to uh, hector who finally joined us in the comment section hello hector welcome back traitor hi uh, <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and Laura, who's also been uh, commenting in our comment section. Thank you to everybody for watching. We really appreciate you. Um, there was a couple points that Hector made that I wanted to share. Where was it? Um, well, yeah, well, yeah, he thinks uh, Florida is not out of the economic woods. Oh, that part I definitely agree with. I mean, we haven't seen the full file out of this. I mean, meanwhile, here in Tampa, uh, Mayor Jane Castor and the Tampa City Council wants to spend $30 million on extending the Riverwalk. You know, but meanwhile, priorities. Priorities. Yeah, meanwhile, we're going to have a huge budget shortfall because of COVID, um, you know, and uh, so they'll probably have to raise your taxes. But, hey, we're getting Riverwalk. Hey, that's a beautiful part of the city. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's, it's definitely needed. I mean, I need a boat slip to park the, vo the boat. So I, if only I there were something. a way to get up the river a little bit more without the river walk, <laughs> <laughs> like a sidewalk, maybe. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and again, it, it's funny that, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's just ironic that, you know, the river walk is actually the reason that a bunch of people caught COVID during the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, Do you believe that? Did they? Did oh, they? I know for a fact. Did they? Do you actually believe I know for a fact. I know three people that got COVID because they went to the Tampa Bay Lightning Boat Parade. Why isn't, you got, the, isn't the incubation period what? like 14 days and it's been like three days since that happened? Why you gotta call people like that? Are we I didn't say who now it was. we're not gonna get another boat parade. And uh, Mr. I know exactly, Mr. Alexander, uh, your comment from earlier today, I was in the rural part of Polk County and I did not see one person wearing raw, a raw, mask. Rural, rural. Polk County, like I did not see a minority for at least an hour and I didn't see any masks. I didn't see any masks whatsoever. And then uh, Mr. Chris Chambers, this is a diverse organization and a diverse podcast. So I, I find has got his own little, I find like, offense, problems Mr. Going Chambers. On. 
Yeah, he's got his own. Uh, oops, sorry. Hang on. He's got his own issues uh, going on over there. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, Mr. Chris Chambers, that's uh, part of the Yard Sign uh, family. So uh, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, find the all-new controversial Inside the Chambers. It's now controversial because uh, he's gotten into some trouble over his content. Uh, so you can catch Chris Chambers interviewing know. local leaders, candidates, uh, uh, and uh, some uh, somewhat important people. My <laughs> issue, important people. My no, major issue when it comes to Chris Chambers is his tie collection. I find it <laughs> offensive, and I will not stand for it any further. Oh, boy. All yeah. right. Things, things are going down on this part. Uh, Joe Wicker just said that the Florida Department of Health says that you are infected 24 hours prior to having symptoms so let's all keep that in, in all right but can you still test positive i think that's also a lag when it comes to when you actually get affected uh, infected to when you when you actually test positive I don't know. so if someone wants to do the quick search for that oppression nope. sp- you wrote speech wrong and now i can't i can't say anything because i write i spell things wrong all the time chambers oh this is gonna get i'm ugly. out of research points for tonight so you're out of research all right points. so on that note let's start to wrap it up guys thank you so much to chris for kylan on uh, cabrera as always for joining us on the show yeah, we uh we are going to have an amendment breakdown on an upcoming episode let us know if you'd like to see us do a simulcast of the upcoming vice presidential uh debates and uh certainly if we have another presidential debate i think that one's definitely going to be a go because uh that was it was a lot of fun we we have some work to do on it but i think that was uh fun enough to uh justify us doing it again uh let's uh go around the table one more time on stories we have missed uh but are following very very closely verkylan you're up first well, the lady won the cup. Um, <laughs> it's really unfortunate. So I'm from Detroit. We have a multitude of cups. I think we have six cups in Detroit. Uh, this is Tampa Bay's second cup. Uh, it's a very exciting thing for a hockey town to get a cup. Um, unfortunately, we have missed out on a lot of the exciting part of yes. winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, when I was in, I don't know, like 11th grade, we won a cup. And there was literally a million people in the streets of Detroit. All from the suburbs down to down to downtown. Oh, there are not a million people in Detroit. Between the suburbs <laughs> and Detroit, yes, there are. But I digress. I uh, definitely could Google that real quick. I've been following up. their economic decline for years. Anyway, he was saying when he was in le- when he was eleven. I know, unless you were there in nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty-two. Oh, stop it! Anymore. I am cutting off your story when you talk next. <laughs> I'm gonna mute anyway, his microphone. Go ahead. A major sports championship like this, especially for for hockey fans who haven't had a win. And 16 years in Tampa Bay is huge. Um, the boat parade was a really nice uh, showing. It, people were allowed to were able to see the the cup up close. Of course, the river gave the people the distance they needed to not get COVID from the general public. Um, anyway, it was a good showing. I'm excited for Tampa Bay. Go go for them. Hopefully, we can pull it off again next year when we yeah. can actually enjoy the win. Now, look this this has been my main issue with all sports this year, is that forever. There's going to be an asterisk next to 2020. Oh, no, no. Because it's a shortened season. There was no preseason. It was not a full-length season. Um, and and people are going to question the validity of this season. Look, I I I, I mean, it was it was nice to listen to when the radio personalities were trying to make the case that oh gosh, you know, they went through so much because of COVID and they were separated from their families and they were you know and they had to hold themselves up in these hotels. Yes, all of that. But the fact that they had a shorter season, the fact that they didn't have a preseason, they had fewer injuries. I mean, look at the teams that are doing well. I mean, the Rays, the Lightning, the the Heat. Uh, 
Um, now you've got the Bucks. Uh, I think the Dolphins might even be doing well. I mean, it, it there there is something about these shortened seasons that again are changing the dynamic of the sport. And I don't think that you can put the Lightning's win in 2020 up to par with any other year that the Stanley Cup has been won in recent history. But that makes sense that it's Tampa. It's gonna like because this weird this month has this uh this year has been so weird. I wouldn't expect at all that the the I wasn't ex- I was expecting the the Lightning to win. I'm not surprised if the uh, the Rays win. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks win because they have an asterisk on the side that shows that this is a different season than most majority no, of the seasons. Lightning season is not asterisks. the The playoff process was the same or more intense than the traditional playoff process. The season was very close to being finished when COVID uh, closed the season down anyway. I don't think there's any reason to put an asterisk or have any kind of reservations about calling this Tampa Bay victory a legitimate victory when that was going to happen anyway. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. That I believe it, it was a, a legitimate victory. I'm just saying that the pundits, the, those that hate Tampa to begin with, are always going to have that little Well, you just didn't have the buildup. They're I mean, have the it, jab. As a Tampa Bay fan, you didn't have the buildup and the excitement and the, 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 the momentum of saying, wow, man, we're going to pull this thing off and blah, blah, blah. I know, yes, there were hundreds of people outside of the arena. Very cool. There were people watching it at the bar. Great. But you know what? Uh, you can even watch it. If you look me up on, on, on Facebook, Facebook, you can see the video. We were at the wing house a week ago and when they won the Stanley cup champion, everybody's like, all right. Yeah. Great. And then they went back to eating their dinner. I mean, there just wasn't that level of excitement uh, and energy that there typically would have been. I mean, last year when they got as close as they did, there was more excitement last year when they got into the playoffs than there was this year with, with them winning the cup. But Chris has a point. That Everyone's there was depressed. No, there Everyone was no, hates their life right now, but there was no yeah. buildup. I, I have to give, I have to give it to you. The that, reason there no was one... no buildup. There was a cut in between the season and that's what basically cut everyone's emotions out of it the reason no one was happy is because they like they had they were like they had hypoxia from their mask cutting off their oxygen supply <laughs> they're like i want to cheer but i have to put my mask on to do that or else i get kicked out of wing house so it's it's a, it's understandable all right enable aside from um all those countries we've never heard of uh you know fighting each other what what else is going on what other story are you following we are now um on a count of how many days left before Qatar and Kuwait actually show a firm, uh, firm diplomatic relations with with Israel. Uh, we do feel that's going to happen within the next 20 days. I think a big surprise might be that Saudi Arabia does it before the election, which is phenomenal of a foreign policy win, which puts that squarely in the president, into the president's cap. That's what I'm looking at. I'm also looking at um, the devaluation of the U.S. dollar, depending on who is talking. So there's a lot of economic stuff that's coming down the pike uh, for how September happened and how many unemployment is going there, but that's what I'm looking at. Economics and then regional developments in the in the Middle East. I will say they're going to put Trump's face on the new $50 bill um, just to interject into <laughs> your, your, your thought process there. I would love, well, no. One, it takes an act of God for, for that to go through the Senate and the Congress to get someone's face um, put you on. Gotta, you got a cross on? Eh, that's true. I, we've, this, this is a crazy year, so anything can happen this, this cycle. I would love to know what else is going to happen in October to motivate people to vote or not to vote. Yeah, look, for me, uh, it, it's basically going to be following what Trump is going to do with this whole diagnosis of him having coronavirus, how that's going to affect, I mean, the fact that he was on a roll with the oh. with the rallies, with the traveling. Uh, I think that's going to continue to be a huge news story. Uh, and, uh, but, um, you know, if I were him, 
I would absolutely line up another debate. And then for the 90 minutes or two hours or however long it's going to be, the only thing I would talk about is the economy and foreign policy, the economy and foreign policy. Um, those are his strongest suits. That's his strongest record. Um, and, and Biden has no grounds to hit him on. I have the solution for Trump's campaign for the next 14 days. You've seen it happen with two major people in your life who you, you all know who they are. Tupac Shakur and Michael Jackson. They're going to be a Trump hologram at every campaign rally for the next 14 days and at the next debate. That's how we're doing it. <laughs> I don't oh I don't even know how to go from that. to. I, well, folks, it's been a great podcast, and we thank you all for watching The Yard Sign. That's right. Uh, again, on behalf of uh, Chris Rakilin and Ebel Cabrera, I'm Johnny Torres. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Until next time. Oh, too soon. <laughs> Again, make sure to follow the Yard Sign and all the social media platforms. Subscribe to the audio version of our podcast on Google, Apple, and Spotify platforms. Uh, thanks again, uh, and thanks to the team behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we have a little group that does a lot of work. Uh, you know, George, Jody, Parker, you know, uh, and of course the other people you see on this show from time to time. Uh, those guys, you know, also instrumental in making the show a success. So we thanks. miss you. I know. We need know, to get those guys sad. back on. So, anyways, but Go uh, watch the soon chambers. enough. All right. Good, good night, everybody.